You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. And I want to be the spokesperson for the voiceless. People get emotionally and physically abused, abled, bodied or not. And it happens particularly with a disabled person. My guest today is named Wynn Charles. She is the host of the podcast, A Winning Cup, a podcast that teaches humans how to deal with people with disabilities. She is a recovering alcoholic with cerebral palsy. Welcome to the show, Wynn. My name is Wynn. I have a physical disability. I'm also, I became sober in July of 2019. So my sobriety has um, been two years. I'm still working on my sobriety, even though I don't drink anymore. I'm still working on myself, my sobriety, working on myself. It's a daily struggle due to my main disability, CP. And I, even though I have wine in my fridge, believe it or not, in Phoenix, Arizona, I won't be touching bottle. I, um, the reason why I decided to become sober is because I, as you guys know, I have cerebral palsy and cerebral palsy is lack of oxygen injury at birth. My brain is completely screwed up due to a brain bleed and due to lack of oxygen at birth. So I can, and cerebral palsy is a neurological condition. I can barely stand up straight and walk in a straight line when I have cerebral palsy. And so I decided after my dad died to be like him, cut the alcohol cold turkey because I thought, well, this is nuts. This is nuts. And plus I had a friend in my life who didn't drink at all. The day my dad got diagnosed, it wasn't even dying. He got diagnosed with lung cancer. It turned out it was stage four lung cancer. We found that out after the facts. And then um, he decided he got cancer. And I decided I was so stunned, even though I knew it was cancer the whole entire time. I was so stunned. And my stepsister goes, well, do you want a glass of wine to take the edge off? I said, yes. And then I had, I got emotionally and physically abused by a family member too. That was on June 23rd, 2019. And she is and was a heavy alcoholic and doesn't respect me was gone. And so I come from a family of alcoholics. I am, I decide, I decided then and there in July to give up coffee and give up wine. 
I have since been sober since 2019. That's absolutely incredible. So kind of, kind of rewinding the tape a little bit, when did you first start drinking and, and maybe when did you notice that, that it had become a problem? In 2010, after my mom died. Again, to take the edge off of losing my mom and to take the edge off of, I, I was emotionally, emotionally abused starting by my family starting in 2010. And then I was lucky. I got away from my abuser number one. Abuser number one comes back with abuser number two. And abuser number two starts um, physically and emotionally abusing me in the long run. Um, my aide slash my stepmom and stepsister got caught in the crossfire. So they all got emotionally abused. I got the blunt of it. Wow. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's terrible. Some of the things that, that we go through. Uh, so I'm curious, you mentioned that, that you quit cold Turkey since quitting cold Turkey. Have you found any kind of, uh, support in recovery? Do you go to 12 step meetings or do you go to any kind of recovery related meetings or anything? I am working on my own recovery. One of the elements of this show is, you know, we talk about all kinds of different methods of recovery. You know, I don't believe that there is one correct way to do it. You know, we're all different people. We have, we have different life experiences. We've been through different situations. So I don't think that there's a one size fits all, uh, method to recovery. So I totally respect that. And, uh, you know, glad to, glad to hear that you're, that you're sober. So that's, that's awesome. What I will say is that I am in traditional recovery for other issues based upon my emotional and physical abuse. Oh, that's excellent. Well, I'm glad, glad to hear that you're getting some help for, for those things. I know it's, it's difficult to do, at least from my own personal experience, I've had, I've had difficulty doing uh, the recovery thing alone. I've tried to try to do it on my own and, and haven't found success. Uh, and I wasn't able to find that success until I found other people that had gone through similar situations. So I know that the, the group element can definitely be very helpful. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen in your life since you got sober? Well, I'm not waking up with a splitting headache and I'm not, asking for the wine bottle um, at dinner. I mean, people know that and people try um, try to break my sobriety. Um, my stepmom desperately tried to break my sobriety. I said, uh, no, we're not breaking my sobriety. You know. I'm getting sober and you know I have a disability and you know I got emotionally and physically abused and they drank after they they drank like fishes after they um, physically and emotionally abused me and my family's still uh, alcoholics, 
to the 10th degree, they live in the islands of the Bahamas. And for those of you who don't know about the islands of the Bahamas, the islands of the Bahamas is a heavy alcoholic nation because of the islands. And um, I just am trying to break the stigma and um, beating to my own drum. I love that. And that's one of the taglines of this show is just breaking the stigma of addiction and, and mental health. And so I love that, that you brought that up and, and talking about breaking that stigma. And, and I'm so grateful that you came on the show today to, to share that with the listeners and, and uh, you know, just all the different things that you've overcome, because I can tell, I can tell just here on this, on the zoom call that you're such a kind and genuine person. And I'm so grateful that you're, that you took some time out of your day to, to share, uh, share part of your story with us. Yeah, you're welcome. And, um, I do believe in counseling. I am seeing a counselor's part of my treatment and I, um, people know that I'm sober. They know that I have wine sitting in my fridge and won't touch it. And I am slowly but surely working on myself. And I think that that's all we can do really is just work on ourselves a little at a time. You know, we, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not like an instant fix. You know, for me, like the, the drugs were my solution and it was that it was that temporary fix of like now i don't have to feel my emotions now i don't have to deal with my problems but recovery it's a slow and gradual process and and i love that you brought up the counseling aspect as well you know i'm a big advocate for uh you know if if we need those kind of services that we can't get inside of a recovery program or wherever it is like do what you need to do for yourself. If, if you're, if you're struggling with those different things, you know, whether that be like, for example, you with the, with the emotional and physical abuse or, you know, whatever else it might be like, find that professional help and do what's right for you. You know, you have to put yourself first, not in like a selfish kind of way, but you know, you, you have to, you have to do what's best for you. So I, I really do appreciate that you brought that up. Cause I think that that's a great, a great point to bring up. And I think, you know, nowadays, I think it's a lot more common for people to, to find that help. But like the previous generations, like my parents' generations and, and generations previous, I think people kind of looked down on the idea of going to counselors or, or thought that if you were going to a counselor, like something was really messed up or whatever. But I think today, like it's, it's, it's become more normalized. The stigma of, of seeking a counselor and their help is, is a lot less than it was a few generations ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you brought that up. That's, that's a, that's a great thing to, to share with the audience. Yeah. And I was typically not forced to go to counseling. I, on the other hand, was forced to go to counseling because I got so many anger management issues after my dad died that um, I was forced to go to counseling. I can't even I can't even imagine what that has to be like to to lose both of your parents. That's, that's I I can't even put it into words. I, I'm I'm sitting here, man. I lost, yeah, I lost my mom in 2010, 12 years 
uh, dad, 2019. And um, yeah, and so two years. And then in the midst of all that, COVID hit. Well, I can tell that you're definitely a strong person and, and you're still persevering and still pushing through. And man, I commend you for that because it takes a lot. I, I, you know, I, I haven't lost either of my parents, um, but you know, I've lost other family members and I know that it's, it can be so overwhelming at times and it, it's like the emotions come in waves and it, it can be, it can be a lot to handle. And I can, I can just see the strength that you have and man, that that's, it's so impressive that you've gotten through that. And now here you are sober and you're working through those emotions and those feelings and man, what a story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you're certainly welcome. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Well, I would like to talk about my emotional and physical abuse, which happens to the disabled all the time. Slash, um, I would also like to talk about why I decided to become sober. Um, Number one, the I was very lucky to have witnesses when I got emotionally and physically abused. I I want to make this clear. My stepmom nor my stepsister nor my aide at the time did not do anything towards me. Typically, it's the aides that do the, or anyone that does it towards the disabled. And the dumb dumb that my abuser was, and I say that because um, she was, the dumb dumb that my abuser was, didn't realize that she had always treated me like the black sheep because I was disabled, but didn't realize that I knew more than I let on and also didn't realize that I was trained as a first reporter and I know how to pick up the phone and call adult protective services. I also know how to pick up the phone and call child protective services. Now, what a lot of people don't know is adult because when I first was going through this, adult protective services actually exist. And um, I didn't know I didn't know that. I literally told um, the person who was leading my case, I said, well, why didn't I hear about you guys? He said, because a lot of people know about child protective services. They don't know about adult protective services. I, I, this, is, this is the first I'm hearing about it. I, I, I wasn't aware of it either. Yeah. And there is adult protective services. And I think a lot of people should know about adult protective services uh, because the disabled individual will need help for the rest of their lives. I mean, it can be AIDS, it could be step parents, it could be anyone. And the divorce rate is actually higher 
when you have a disabled kid um, who turns into an adult because the stress of having a disabled kid is unsurmountable. So the divorce rate is higher and a lot of people don't know if they feel uncomfortable with a human, especially in their own homes, they can call adult protective services. I actually have a witness, I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. I moved from Aspen, Colorado, due to, partially due to safety reasons, partially due to my family would not take care of me. And that's the God on the truth. They would not take care of me. They tried to send me to a home in Kentucky. And that went over like lead balloon no. And later I find out from my abuser that abused me in 2010, why she put, why she almost put me in a home in Kentucky. Number one, she always treated me like black sheep. And so they wanted complete, uh, complete control of me. And then I find out that she's not physically able to do it. And then I find out, oh, by, by a Zoom, that my family won't take care of me. So then I had to come up with a plan um, on my own. And with the help of my team, I decided to move to an independent living center in Phoenix, Arizona called the Lunar Resort. I live in my own condo with minimal help and minimal assistance. That's incredible. So I'm just curious for, for those of us that are, that aren't familiar, you know, you mentioned the, the adult protective services and stuff. What are some things that we can do to help the disabled community or, or what are some signs that we can look for, for abuse? What are things that, that, you know, just the normal everyday person, what, what can we do? Well, if the, um, normal everyday person, if you see a broken arm of the disabled, that is a sign of abuse. And a lot of doctors will ask, um, if a kid comes in with a broken arm and the parents say, Susie Q has a broken arm, can you please reset this broken arm? The doctors will ask Susie Q, do you have a story? And I know this because it happened to me. It happened to me. I broke my arm and um, my parents took me to the small town emergency center. And the doctors asked me and my parents what happened. I started speaking. My dad also started speaking. The doctor looked at him and said, would you let Wynn finish? They were making sure that I didn't have a broken arm from abuse. So if you see any, any, and I mean any, bruises, if you see any broken bones, 
if you see the child acting weird, weirdly, um, basically kids will at such an address <laughs> will spill the beans. And so they might say, Miss Teacher, Mommy hit me. And then you call adult protective services. That is the number one thing you're supposed to do. And even though I am was not physically abused by breaking arms and by breaking skulls and by breaking eye sockets, I was physically abused on the inside because I had a camera stuck in a place where I didn't give this person permission to stick it in a place. No one, and I want to make this clear, we teach our kids not to let strangers touch their body without permission, even family members. And this person stuck a camera in an area that shouldn't be stuck up in. That's the only reason why she has a record now. That's the only reason why my abuser has a record because I knew I knew I was abused and I didn't say anything until I got to my next counseling session. God bless my counselor for reporting her, reporting the whole incident to adult protective services. Man. And my family still thinks that um, I reported them. They think it's silly that I have PTSD. They probably think it's silly that, and they want me to get in contact with my abuser. That's a lot. And that's why I gave up the um that's why i give him the alcohol because i abusers tend to abuse if they have a substance in their hands and um like drugs and alcohol and so i typically i knowing me i knew i had a pre-existing condition and so that's why I gave it up, broke the stigma out of my alcoholic, abusive family, and slowly and slowly but surely working on recovery. I, I was getting a little teary-eyed when you were talking there at the end, and I'm I'm, I'm so grateful that you came on and, and shared your story, and and you're just such a courageous person. I I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by, by the courage it takes to, to share that kind of story with, with a complete stranger and, and just the, the, the strength that you have to, to, to live your life. My um, fan base on my podcast knows all about it. They know all about my move. They know all about my emotional abuse. They know the black sheep end of it. They, um, good friends know in detail what happened, but, um, my fan base knows what, um, 
went on too, because I want to make a big stink about this. I mean, it happens all the time. People get emotionally and physically abused, able-bodied or not. And it happens particularly with a disabled person. And I want to be the spokesperson for the voiceless because um, nine times out of 10, the caregivers will say everything's perfectly fine and um, the child or the adult is unconsolable. And um, my stepmom, unfortunately, wasn't the best in the situation. She actually, as I was bawling, as I was so upset in her arms, just knowing what just happened, she all she would say is, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, it's not. I love what you said a, a few moments ago about being the voice for the voiceless and you're wanting to be be like that spokesperson for, for those for the people in the disabled community that may not be able to speak for themselves. I, I absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So I'd love to give you an opportunity just to share with, with the audience. Uh, you mentioned that you have your own podcast. Uh, maybe you could share about your podcast and your social media and let the listeners know if they're interested in contacting you or, or following your journey. Uh, what, what some of the different places are that they could do that. Well, my um, my main website is a winning cup at webelize.com. So a winning cup at webelize.com. That's my main website. Or just Google my name. You will see a women, winning cup pop up in Apple, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to Brent. And so... And please, 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 and Brent Brent doesn't know I'm doing this, but please, please, please leave a review for Brent on Apple iTunes because that's what, that what helps Apple iTunes find Brent's show and me bad. I didn't have a chance to listen to your previous um, episodes, but I will. I will. And so I just highly recommend that you support Brent's work along with my work because what we're doing is change makers um, in one small step at a time. Thank, thank you so much for that shout out. And, I, and I'll, I'll say to return the favor as well. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'll say I'll say return the favor as well. Leave leave a review for for Win's show. Like she said, um, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know the more reviews and and the higher rated the show is, the more visible it is. So, you know, that's something simple that that anybody can do. You know, take take thirty seconds out of your day, leave a five star review, and and help get the message out about addiction recovery about your podcast and, and, and helping the, the disabled community with, a, with abuse. I mean, it, it's something simple that anybody can do. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I was going to say, while well, you can share um, 
share this episode now. Even better. With, Even uh, better. Yeah. Share plans to work out with our friend of more awareness about abuse and addiction and recovery. Well, Wynn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I really had a great time talking to you. You are so welcome. I'm, I'm glad to get to know you. We'll definitely have to stay in touch. Yes, we will. Wynn, thank you again for coming on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. And I'm blown away by all the difficulties that you've overcome. Guys, be sure to check out her podcast, A Winning Cup, wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.